This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. To Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. This is episode 64, and it's the continuation of the interview or kind of exchange that Maureen and I had while we were in Seattle at the Worth Recovery event in Seattle. We had such a great time at that event. I just can't tell you. It was so great to sit with so many women who are fighting the same fight. You know, things may be different. We might have different personalities. We might have different acting out behaviors. Our life circumstances are different. Some married, some single, some with kids, some without, some divorced, some working, some not. I mean, just all over. But when it comes down to it, our fundamental desires are the same to get sober and to move our life forward. All of those differences just kind of subside as we work to do that together. I get asked questions all the time, like you're single and I'm married, so what you have to say doesn't necessarily help me, or I don't want you to be my sponsor because I'm married and you're single. And and there's a lot of just those kind of questions. We need to be of the same faith. We need to have believe in the same God. We need to do all these things. And you know what? I I don't believe in any of that. <laughs> I believe that two people who are on the same journey to get sober, to recover from sex addiction, and to move their life forward can help each other no matter what their life circumstances are. That's what my lived experience is. Maureen and I are drastically different in so many ways. We're in different stages of our life. We're different ages. We work in different industries. We have different lived experiences. She's been married. I haven't. Has kids. I don't. I mean, just a variety of things that are really different in our lives. And yet we've really been able to help each other to move forward and to change and to find sobriety together. And I'm just really, really grateful for that. So before we jump back into our interview there, though, a few quick announcements. A registration has begun for our Worth Recovery event in January. This one's going to be in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're going with the same theme, Engaged in the Struggle, and it will be January 21st of 2017. That's just like four months away. It's not very long. We already have a number of women that are registered, so don't delay too long in getting registered. You can get on the website, worthrecovery.com. Early bird pricing is available until December 1st. Our speakers are going to be just fantastic, and as I'm getting closer and closer, I'm getting really, really excited to hear from them. Also, I want to give a big shout out to our Worth Warriors. You ladies are amazing. When a woman reaches out for help in sex addiction, it is the mission of Worth Recovery to provide a voice and the hand of a woman to reach back. Worth Warriors, you make that possible. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for your continued support and your help. I appreciate it so much. You all can be Worth Warriors. 
If you've been enjoying what you're learning, if you're a regular listener, if the podcast has helped you even just a little bit, get on the website and become a Worth Warrior. There's special perks for you and all sorts of things. You can do it for as little as $4 a month, guys. That's like less than lunch out one time, $4 a month. It's a little bit less than 50 cents an episode. So get on the website, look for the Worth Warriors logo, and join the movement. All of that information can be found on worthrecovery.com. I just want to also give a quick shout out to so many of you who are recently joining the ranks as Worth Warriors or just recently become listeners. So many of you have reached out to me with little bits of your story and, and with gratitude to be able to find a woman talking about this subject. And I just want you to know that it means so much to me. That's all I've ever wanted from this podcast. All I've ever wanted to do is let women know that they're not alone. I felt so weird and so alone as a woman when I started this journey. And I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. It's hard enough as it is. But to deal with the gender issues and to deal with so many stereotypes and to deal with and to be alone in the journey is just not acceptable. Just a quick shout out to Natalie, to Deb, to Becca, some of you that have reached out recently. Just want you to know how much I care about you, how much I think about you, how much I pray for all of you. I hope that we can continue to spread this message so that every woman in sex addiction has some place to go to find a voice, to find someone who understands their journey and their story. Keep listening, keep sharing, keep spreading the word. Let's like flood the earth with hope for women, wherever you are. Okay, so let's get back to our interview with Maureen. Uh, If you remember from episode 62, we had kind of just stopped. Maureen was telling us her biggest tip for staying engaged in the struggle and for finding meaning is to just keep coming back time after time after time. And she just had asked me the question, you know, you've also struggled and you've also had some some struggles in your life. So what's been some of the things that you have done? And so we're going to pick up right there. Oh, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember when I was first early in recovery, particularly like around my dad, my dad was dying and trying to just get through that. Like I would sometimes have to sit down like I would say, OK, this is my plan for the next hour. Right. And that's where I, that's where I, and just do one hour at a time. That's where I learned, um, I use my phone religiously as a timer. If you listen to my podcast, you know that. And I will literally just be like, okay, I can do this for one hour. And I will set my thing for one hour. And I will like, I'm going to stay sober for one hour. And at the end, my phone will beep and I'm like, okay, I did one hour. And then I'll think, can I do another hour? Okay, maybe I can do another hour. And I'll set my timer and my timer will beep and I'll be like, okay, two hours. I did two hours. I could probably do two more. And I will set my timer for two hours and I will get through. And sometimes that's all I can do to get through struggle. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, whether it's that or something else. I, I, when I moved to Utah, I got a job that was, um, it was, I loved it. It was awesome. But it required me to travel a lot. And I was leaving every Sunday night and flying home every Friday afternoon. And I did that for 18 months. And that wrecked havoc in my life, being like just traveling all the time and not having a consistent schedule and consistent meetings and things like that. And a lot of times I'd find myself in a hotel in a city that I didn't know anybody and I didn't know anything going on. 
and I was lonely and I was frustrated with work and I had like two more days before I could fly home and all I could think about was I could act out here and nobody would ever know you know like I'm in a foreign place nobody would even know and sometimes that's all I could do with to get through was just one little piece at a time you know to make it through and and get through things but I, I think that continue like I think engaging in the struggle of recovery is a brave act I think that staying in our addiction once we get awareness of what our addiction is staying there becomes intolerable and our life doesn't we don't move forward and and we start to spin in those cycles and and it gets worse and worse and worse one of the things Maureen used to always tell me was two things one was like, recovery is like walking up a down escalator, right? And I'm sure you've heard that analogy before. Like if I stop, I don't stay still. Like I start moving backwards, you know, right? And she would tell me that over and over again, you got to keep moving like one foot in front of the other all the time, just to even maintain where you're at, you've got to move. But if you want to get ahead, you have to move even faster, right? And, uh, and that, really, that really impacted me and really helped me to realize like, I cannot stop. I cannot stand still. I have to keep moving forward. And then the other thing, sim very similar was, um, you know, something in your life is always progressing. Either your recovery is progressing or your addiction's progressing. You get to choose which one it is. But something in your life is always progressing. And I can hear her say that in my head, like sometimes when I'm sitting there thinking, what in my life is progressing, right? <laughs> What's progressing in this moment? Is it my recovery or is it my disease or my addiction, right? Like something in my life is always progressing. And, and having those just kind of, you know, ideas and things really helps me to stay engaged in the struggle because recovery is not easy. No. No. And I, and I, th I think it's in the struggle that I've learned some of the greatest gems of my recovery. It's in those really hard, you know, you just have to w walk through some very difficult things because that's what addiction was doing for me. It was keeping those painful things away from me. And the only way to get through them is to go through them, right? And so, you know, just learning to do that, to face all those and for me, it's emotions. It's emotions. It's unexpressed grief. It's, uh, you know, just a lot of unresolved stuff that I carried around that I needed to look at. And, you know, that's what addiction did. It, it hid all that stuff away from me. And, you know, that's the hard part. Once you take your addiction away, you got to look at that stuff. It's going to pop up. And that's, you know, but going through it and looking back is wonderful you know it's wonderful to see that there is hope that you can get through it and that you know things are better on the other side and you know so I mean I think that's the message we want to send you know that sometimes they say you're not really in recovery if you're not in a struggle if you're not feeling a pain you're not working it right and that's, it is painful. It is painful, difficult work, but that's what we got to do because that's what we've been avoiding our whole lives as addicts. And, you know, I just want to say on the other side, I, I'm grateful for all of it. As painful as it was, I'm grateful for it. Yeah, thank you.
Thanks for sharing. Thank you. What thoughts do you have? What what helps you stay engaged in the struggle? What questions do you have? What what do you what's going on for you that helps? What are you struggling with? Yeah. How do you prevent yourself from going from sex addiction into food addiction, eating <laughs> disorder? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a really good question. So, one the question is how do you pre- like how do you prevent yourself from switching addictions, right? From getting out of one and going into another well that's my current battle that for me that's my current battle like I I learned in recovery that there has always been an addictive pattern in my life that has always been like you know on a one to ten scale has always been a ten okay and it has switched between food sex food sex you know my whole life and um and I had a particular time, like I remember when I started binge eating and I remember that whole thing, right? And, and there's a piece, like in recovery literature, they talk a lot about like, you're not really sober if you're just switching addictions, right? If you move from one to the other. And so that's the current battle that I'm engaged in is trying to figure, figure that out for myself. Because when I got into recovery, you know, I, I didn't. I remember the first time, I don't know if Aaron remembers this, but I remember the first time I showed up in my therapist's office and was like, I have the same pattern with food that I do with sex, you know? Like I had gone through this whole, I got home from work, I was raging. And I, by the time, like, by the time I even like became present, I had sitting in front of me, you know, a pan of brownies and cookie dough. And I had made it all from scratch and I didn't have recollection of making it, you know? And to me, that was scary. Like, I this is my same pattern, but with food. And I took it all and threw it away because I was scared out of my mind. But that's, I mean, that's, that's a really great question. How do you prevent switching from one to the other? And uh, I don't know that I have good advice for that, except for <laughs> I deal with the, the one that's causing the most pain first. And for me, that was sex, right? I had, to, I had to figure out my sex addiction and get that kind of stabilized and move through that. And now I feel like I'm in a really good place to be able to start addressing the other addictive patterns that I have in my life. Erin, is that okay advice? Thank you. Okay. So, like, you know, I, I, I'm not a therapist. I don't want to, like, you know, give, give you crazy advice. But for me, like, the one that was causing the most destruction first and then move down from there. What do you think? Well, I think I remember telling you that, but... Oh, well, then there we go, right? So Maureen told me that. That's why it's, no. that's why it's solid advice. No. <laughs> no, I'm multi-addicted, too. And part of it is being mindful of the fact that that's my tendency. It's my tendency. And so what's, you know, it's, it's surrendering it, being aware of it. You're constantly doing a first step because, you know, oh, I got rid of the sex thing, but now I got the game thing. Then I got the shopping thing, then I got, you know, and I just would talk about it. I'd just go to meetings and say, I got this problem. I I am basically an addictive personality. And, you know, that she was touching on a little bit about me finding my biological family. And when I finally talked to my biological half-sister who, you know, my mom had a family, so she knew my birth mom, my birth mom had passed away by this time. I said, what's my medical history? And she said, oh, well, there's really nothing medically wrong, but, and I said, well, but I noticed my mom passed away young. And then one of her brothers, I can't find a record of him. And she said, well, 
Okay, well, so her, her youngest brother died in the 70s. He was a drug addict. My mom, our mom, basically fell into using over-the-counter prescription medication. She was addicted to painkillers and ended up dying because of that. And then her other brother died of a heart attack. So I go, oh, addiction. Uh, you know, I go all this way trying to find out who I am. And I knew all along I was an addict. And I come from a, a, you know, a biological family that were addictive. I knew that all along. And so I think just accepting the fact that's my nature. I want to, you know, check out. You know, there's always this voice in the back of my head saying, you deserve a break today. <laughs> Go find a way to get it. Whether it's shopping, playing games, whatever, that's my thing. And it's just, how do I work it? The same way I work everything else. Try to make a phone call, go to a meeting, make the real connection somehow, somewhere with someone instead of plugging out and trying to numb myself or what whatever these addictive behaviors do for me. Mm -hmm. So... Thanks for being here today. This is hard. Like, I think being here is hard work. Even engaging in this conversation is hard work. You know, saying I have an addiction is hard work. And so I appreciate you being willing to engage in that with us and talking about it. I hope that knowing that there are people, women that have multiple years, been doing this for a long time, and lives are changing, can help you to feel that hope that you can change too, that your life can change and that things can be different. So thanks. Oh yeah. I have a question, might be silly. Um, but I was wondering what in your mind, Maureen, does sex addiction or just addiction in general mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean? Well, yeah. so the question is what, what does addiction mean? What is addiction? What does it mean? Like, well, how would I define an addiction? Yeah. Well, I usually say to people, an, an addiction for me is when I keep doing something I don't want to do, and I can't stop myself from doing it, right? So I, I, I keep saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop doing that. But I keep doing it, right? That's an, an addiction to me. It's this compulsion to do something I really don't want to do. Right? I'm short-circuiting something, trying to get something out of some behavior that isn't going to give me what I really am looking for, like the plug, right? Keep plugging into the wrong connection, trying to get a real connection, right? And I think, you know, sexaholism is sort of a, a disease of misconnection. For me, it is, I never really felt connected so it's this way of instantly securing a connection with someone and it happens to be sexual but because of the way i go about it it's not really long term it's not really a real connection it has no healthy ramifications to it it's just someone else probably doing the same thing i'm doing and there's no long term or healthy nature to it right so that's, that's what it means to me. What is, um, um, like what's the word I want to use? Toxic, destructive, not helpful about um, masturbation. 
in relation to addiction? So for me, I'm a. Uh, Hang on. Oh, yeah. No question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the question is, so what can be or is toxic or destructive about masturbation um, within a relationship or in relation to addiction? Okay. Just by itself. Yeah. So what is toxic or destructive or what can be toxic or destructive about masturbation in itself? Yeah. I love your, your thoughts on that. <laughs> I think for... I don't know. I'm not a healthy person in that area. For me, what it does is it, it just turns on a whole lust cycle. And therefore, everything, every guy, let's say, because that's my trigger, I look at, I'm not looking at them for who they really are. I'm looking at them because I got this lust thing going on. And it sort of, to me, it just energizes this sort of, sexual energy where that's how I look at men now if I want to go out in the world and date men and I'm doing that then I'm going to be attracted to the wrong kind of guy and I don't want to be attracted to the wrong kind of guy so for me I need to calm that down I if I you know I need to sh shut that off I realize you know there is healthy masturbation that that's a reality for some people that that can occur but it turns on for me, I think, a cycle that just turns lust on. And lust cannot get enough. It can't, you know, and it doesn't see things real. I don't see, I don't see things for what they really are. Because I'm lusting after a man physically, emotionally, however it is, I don't, I don't want to spend time getting to know that person. I don't want to spend time asking myself, is this the right person for me? I don't want to spend time, you know, doing any of that stuff. I just want what I want. That's lust. And it's going to want to have sex, and that's it. And, you know, I don't want to turn that cycle on. And, you know, I've had to battle with that. That's a reality for me. I've had to try to decide, can I, can I actually have just healthy masturbation? Well, I've tried it, and it doesn't work for me because it for me it just turns on a cycle that you know wants more turn doesn't want to see things for what they really are or take the time to ask is this the person I want to be involved with it just wants what it wants and then the next day it wakes up and says what am I doing here let's move on and that's not what I want to do does that help yeah. a little bit I also question is is masturbation say even apart from fantasy apart from any kind of pictures would masturbation itself be addictive because it's kind of like pushing the pleasure button well and i don't know that we're the right people to answer that question you know i mean sure. like i think that there's there, there's all sorts of therapeutic responses on that and different therapists are going to have different thoughts and you know different things like that I don't know that I could say you know why for one person this works and why for another person it doesn't right I mean that's true of masturbation that's true of shopping that's true of gambling that's true of alcohol that's true of, of all those different things chocolate right <laughs> coke zero you know like whatever it is right for one person it works and for one person, it doesn't, you know? 
And uh, I think the, the struggle of recovery is figuring that those boundaries out for you. You know, like I can't, I can't dictate what works for you and what doesn't. I can't, you know, like you have to, I think I, ha- I had to do that in recovery too. It's like go through mentally, like what works and what doesn't. And that requires some experimentation and that requires some, you know, reality and honesty about things, you know, and that requires me to get really real with myself and know what's working and what's not working, you know? And so I think that's something, and having a, uh, a community to be able to explore with that with and talk to people about it, you know, and, and different things like that, I think is, like, I don't think I could ever go through that without a community. Right. Like figure those things out on my own, you know, like you have to have that mirror that says, well, you, you say that you're doing okay, but this is what I'm seeing, you know, or you say that things are fine, but what about this unmanageability in your life that you're not really looking at, you know, mm-hmm. like Marine did that, for, like Marine does, lots of people do that for me, but Marine's really awesome at that for me, so, <laughs> okay, thanks for listening to us, thanks for listening, I think, thank you, Marine. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really grateful that we were able to record that with Maureen and with the other women at our Worth Recovery event in Seattle just a few months ago. I forgot about that little question and answer thing at the end. That was kind of fun. I'm really grateful for the people that I have in my life that are part of my recovery journey. And things ebb and flow and sometimes I'm really close to them and sometimes I'm not and sometimes things happen and and we struggle with our relationship or other things going on. And, and that's just part of the journey. And I'm just really, really grateful for that. I'm excited again for our upcoming Worth Recovery event and for all the women that will be there and for the opportunity that we'll have to talk and, and to spend some time together and to learn about each other and to spend some time talking about staying engaged in the struggle. As always, ladies, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, No matter how far down you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Don't forget you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even just a little bit, if you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the movement. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. Remember, I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.